Hello and welcome to Inside EcoDevo, an economic development podcast helping Missourians prosper. On this episode, we're talking about the Missouri Women's Council and sitting down with us to help with the discussion is Kellyanne Coates, the executive director for the council. Kellyanne, welcome. Thanks for sitting down with us. Good morning, Eric. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. Uh, So I'm sure there's a lot to talk about when it comes to Missouri Women's Council. But before we get into that, if you could just give us a little bit of background on yourself. How did you come to be executive director for the Missouri Women's Council? Such an exciting topic, Eric. I don't even know where to start. I'm sure that all of our listeners are just waiting with bated breath to figure out how I got to this role. And and quite frankly, sometimes I, I wonder myself how I got here. But I'm a native Arkansan. Very, very proud Arkansan. I came to school to go to the University of Missouri in Columbia. Um, I have a degree in animal science. So um, ultimately, me, my goal was to be a veterinarian. I'm clearly not a veterinarian at this point. That was uh, not part of God's plan, but um, worked really hard and ended up utilizing my degree and not disappointing too much of my parents' financial investment in my schooling and worked at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Um, as a researcher in uh, virology, immunology, oncology, you name it. It was, it was a great learning experience for me and an extreme time of, of personal growth and uh, being out on my own and, and learning how to um, depend upon myself. So that was fun. Um, I was there for quite some time living in Memphis, Tennessee for nine years. I was um, a volunteer for the Mizzou Alumni Association and eventually became president of the chapter in Memphis, so I was doing a lot of work on behalf of the university, and many of the leadership folks from Columbia would come down and, and host things, so I got a lot of exposure to them, and one one time when I was in Columbia, they said, hey, have you ever thought about doing fundraising? And I said, no, I have not, <laughs> because I'm a scientist, but I had done some fundraising on the side for some nonprofits in Memphis, and it was intriguing. I said, we think that we have a great spot for you, and we are opening up a new um, Thompson Center for Autism. I knew nothing about autism, but I knew I loved kids, and I knew I loved medicine. So I took a big leap of faith, moved away from Memphis, came back to Columbia, uh, served as a professional fundraiser for almost 12 years at the University of Missouri, mainly within MU Healthcare. And then I was appointed to this role in October of 2017 to be the executive director of the Missouri Women's Council. And that is how I got here. That's quite the journey to uh, (laughs) veterinarian to working with kids and then into the Women's Council. Like, how did that shift change? Like, what led you to go, yeah, I'm going to go in this new direction? You know, I think for those of us who have done uh, professional fundraising for a career and to have done that at the same institution for over a decade is somewhat unheard of um, in that field. Now, at the time, we had such a great group of of fundraisers um, who I'm still friends with many of to this day at Mizzou uh, working on behalf of the school and the healthcare institutions there. But after a while, I really started to question what else was there for me to do. And I was very content in helping all of our patients, some of who were just born to some at the end of their life. And and that was so rewarding. The patients was the absolute best part of my job. But this opportunity came along and it was, again, something that I had never done before. And so I have kind of changed careers a couple of times now. 
So I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm interested in supporting women. I'm interested in economic development. I'm interested in our communities and our state and moving us forward in a strategic manner that makes sense for employers, for workers, for disadvantaged individuals and groups of people. And this was the perfect opportunity to create something new. Well, let's get into it then. Let's just kind of start basic. Tell me, what is the Missouri Women's Council? So the Missouri Women's Council was created by statute in 1985, and it has 13 members. Nine members are appointed by the governor, and the remaining members are selected by their House of Representatives leadership and Senate leadership. So that's what makes up the Missouri Women's Council. The statute that created us is is very broad, and I suspect that that's on purpose. It allows each governor and administration to determine how they utilize the council and what the day-to-day work is, depending upon what their priorities are. So Governor Parsons' priorities are workforce development and infrastructure, and we fall right into workforce development with our work that we've been doing over the last few years. So your guys' tasks, I'll say, are directly related to the administration, so that changes per administration. It can change. It doesn't always, but we feel very strongly that we are here in a support role to advance the priorities of the administration and to help Missouri employers and workers at the same time. So it's a great win-win. And those individuals that make up the council, any rhyme or reason for those uh, specific people to be picked? Is it in line with the tasks? No, not necessarily. They're all at the discretion of the governor to appoint them. Gotcha. Okay. So I know there's some developments, for lack of a better term, for recent things that you guys are doing. But before we get into that, kind of just stepping back a little bit, I know there's a lot of work that the Women's Council was doing during the Show Me Recovery efforts that were going on. Can you tell me a little bit about what was happening there? Absolutely. So during the pandemic, we ended up having to cease our programming, which was taking place in the women's prison in Vandalia. So we were focused on a program called Aspire Mo that we created ourselves, and it was an entrepreneurship training program. So we had two classes graduate. We ran them six months concurrently, and then March of 2020 hit. And as we all know, the world stopped. And unfortunately, um, we were not able to get back in to see our class and our program came to a halt at that time. So in the meantime, we were focusing on supporting the efforts of the Department of Economic Development, of the administration, in finding ways how to identify what are the challenges for our small business owners and what are solutions that we can logically come up with that will help them to get through this pandemic. As you know, many businesses closed A lot of them were restaurants, many were retail stores. With all of the restrictions that the federal government placed on everyone, thankfully we had some very good foresight in trying to keep some things opened and reopened sooner than maybe some other states. So I feel like we um, were a bit more resilient than some other states around us and businesses. But the governor signed an executive order to create something called the Show Me Strong Recovery Task Force. And he appointed members to that task force, along with our department chair, Rob Dixon, our department director at DED at the time, and director Anna Hugh from the Department of Labor Industrial Relations. So they co-chaired this task force. The governor appointed a 
nice mix of people who represented all different areas in business, different demographics, different parts of the state. It was a tremendous group that I still talk to many of them to this day. And that was a year and a half ago, I guess. So we embarked on a seven city listening tour where we went all across the state of Missouri and worked with our chamber partners and worked with our community colleges and worked with our economic developers all across the state to pull small business owners together to have a frank conversation and really delve into what were their challenges? What did they see as opportunities to help get them back on track and to recover from this historic pandemic? Yeah, I know on that uh, listening tour, you and I kind of embarked on a lot of uh, business trips and and talking to a lot of small business owners, several of of which were women or or minority owned. Mm -hmm. Although I was there and I I know some of this, I kind of feel like I was on the fringe of it, just, you know, being the, the person capturing the sights and the sounds of it all, but you were not on the fringe. You were right in the middle of all of it, Eric. You were were there with me in St. Joe and Kansas city and prospect. And I I try not to take too much credit. I feel like I was just kind of support there myself, (laughs) but um, no, you did great. So Eric, by the way, for all of you who are listening, what he's not telling you is that Eric created videos for us of different business owners. And we actually went to their locations filmed B-roll. He interviewed them. He asked really great questions. And then he came back and edited these videos that we were able to use on social media. And we were able to create for the governor to tell the story because telling the story, you know, it's one thing to have a report, right? And that was one of the things that was included in the executive order that we shall give a report to the governor before the end of the year with our findings and our recommendations. But it was just so much more than that. And we really wanted, if we were going to take our time and other people's time to do this, we were going to do it 150%. And Eric's involvement with that just was the icing on the cake. And so thank you again well, for that. I appreciate it. No problem. You talking about the uh, report, what was some of the findings from a Missouri Women's Council point of view? So one of the items that was also specifically indicated in the executive order addressed minority and women-owned businesses. So obviously the Women's Council will come in on women-owned business side of things. So we wanted to make sure that we were including all different types of businesses owned by all different types of people, no matter whether you're male, female, or what your ethnicity was or where you were from. And we wanted to make sure that we were really tapping into all of the businesses that make up our thriving small business community in the state of Missouri. It's still kind of going on, like ARPA kind of feels like CARES Act 2.0, which was kind of uh, associated with Show Me Strong Recovery. But what was the ultimate outcome that came out of all right, that? Right. So we partnered with the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, along with embarking on our seven city listening tour. So we did surveys of hundreds and hundreds of business owners and Without a doubt, and you know, Missouri is a very diverse state. So they say if you've been to one part of the state of Missouri, you've been to one part of the state of Missouri. And that was really important to us to see, are there differences? Like, because we know that there are different needs in different parts of the state. But for this, it was a resounding, the number one challenge for small business owners was workforce and the number two was supply chain. So we identified what those challenges were. And then we also recommended some budget items for, as you said, the ARPA money. So the second round of uh, federal recovery dollars allowed for small business grants. And we were able to recommend that there be a set aside 
for women and minority-owned businesses. And the governor did include that in his budget, and the legislature did pass that budget. Yeah. So this was really historic and really exciting work for the Women's Council to be involved with, along with the rest of the team at Economic Development. Yeah. Um, a lot of the uh, teams and programs that we've talked on this podcast here, when it comes to the CARES Act, that's kind of spawned additional work out of that, whether it's something related to ARPA, whether it evolved into something else, I'd imagine it's similar to Women's Council. Where did that work lead you and where are you at today? Absolutely. So that's a really great question. So definitely spent a lot of time on the recovery task force as the lead staffer on that task force. I was responsible for administering and executing and planning all of the activities of the task force, and then ultimately uh, responsible for the final report to the governor. So within that, no, no pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Never done that before. They're like, here, Kellyanne, do this. And I'm like, okay. So it was, it was great though. I mean, it was a great learning experience. And, and like I said, these task force members are tremendous and they are advocates for all areas of business in the state of Missouri. So we call upon them to this day to help advise us and including this, the ARPA grant, they were involved in the creation of the small business grant guidelines. Mm. So we really want to make sure that these voices aren't just here. This task force isn't just on paper. We are still utilizing them and relying on them to this day. And we will continue to do that through the administration because of the findings of this and the fact that our main work had kind of halted a bit, at least in our workforce development training program side of things for the council. We really wanted to spin that back up. One of the things about our Aspiremo entrepreneurship cohorts that is pretty remarkable is that we had 27 women who were incarcerated in one of our facilities, our Department of Corrections facilities in Vandalia, went through the program. We had 19 graduate The rest didn't get to finish because of COVID. None of them are back in one of our facilities. That's great. So that's huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a 0% recidivism rate back to a Department of Corrections facility. So we are still in contact with many of, almost all of them to this day. We are so proud of what they've accomplished. And we couldn't just let that go. I mean, there's something special there. You create a program that has never happened before in the state of Missouri, you know, we didn't really know what we were doing. We just pulled all together the experts that knew how to teach entrepreneurship and business planning. And they had a full business plan when they were done, when they graduated at the end of the 20 weeks. And they had a graduation ceremony. And then they got out. And then we partnered with social services and um, a nonprofit called Connections to Success. And were able to provide peer support, specialist support, as well as after, you know, post-release. And that's the key. So we couldn't just drop it. We had to figure a way to continue this program. With workforce and supply chain being the two largest concerns, we started looking at the industries in the state of Missouri. We started looking at all of the big companies that the Department of Economic Development, that Missouri Partnership, that many other economic development groups around the state were recruiting to come to Missouri or expanding. And the majority of them are all in manufacturing or distribution Manufacturing is a vital part of our economy and our workforce. So we thought, why don't we take this AspireMo model and pivot a little bit? And I hate to say that word. I'm going to say retool because we're talking about manufacturing. We're <laughs> no going to retool. No pun intended. We're going to retool our AspireMo entrepreneurship 
program and make it a warehouse manufacturing and supply chain training program with industry-recognized certifications. How are we going to do that? I did not know, <laughs> but we were going to do it. So we, were, we started putting our feelers out all across the state of Missouri, looking at partners who could potentially help us provide that specialized training. And we were very fortunate to uh, connect with Missouri Enterprise, which is an organization based out of Rolla. And this is what they do. They help support manufacturers across the state and they provide training. So we were able to get together with them, show them a little bit about our SpireMo model and the success that we had had, along with the support of the governor's office, the lieutenant governor's office, of the state departments, Department of Corrections, Department of Economic Development, Department of Higher Education and Workforce Development, Department of Social Services, so many groups were coming together and saying, yes, this is a worthy project. How can we make this happen? In comes ARPA funding, and there was a workforce development training program. So Missouri Enterprise applied for the training funding, and they were awarded a grant, which means we can now officially start AspireMo 2.0. There's a lot of information there. I know. I kind of want to pick it apart and okay. kind of dive into some things that were kind of sticking out to me. Okay. You were talking about the women's correctional facilities and, and the work that was going on there. Hopefully this isn't a, a tough question, but why that avenue? Why focus on uh, incarcerated women over, you know, maybe existing businesses? And not to say you weren't helping existing businesses. Sure, but it seemed like we there were. was. Yeah. It seems like there was a, a primary focus there. So women who are incarcerated are at such a disadvantage when they come out. They've got a felony on their record. This makes it very difficult for them to find anywhere to live. It makes, them dif- it, makes it difficult for them to find a job. Most of them have children that they are also trying to support and typically are not getting any child support from the fathers. So we had a really great relationship with the Department of Corrections and their director, and Precythe, along with their reentry manager, Ken Chapman. There was a real focus on advancing women within that Department of Corrections. So back in 2017, when we came up with this, or 2018, excuse me, when we came up with this idea, Missouri had the fastest growing female incarceration rate in the country. And at first, I didn't know what that meant. Like, what does that mean? I'm, I'm not involved in criminal justice, other than my dad was chief of police. So that's really law enforcement side, not, not necessarily this side. So I really didn't know what that meant. And I kind of took a step back. And as I was listening to Director Precythe explain to one of our senators this, I kind of realized, I was like, okay, wait a minute. I said, does that mean Missouri is putting away women faster than any other state in the country? And she said, yes. So there are many reasons as to why that may be. Missouri obviously has some pretty strict laws uh, when it comes to drugs and marijuana. And obviously we're seeing some of that stuff changed. And we're also seeing legislation that are expunging records of people who have these smaller drug offenses. But the women, many of them, were coming back because they were on parole violations. And so they just get taken right back. And that just puts them that deeper in the hole and potentially having to serve longer of their original sentence and then potentially additional time, depending upon what got them a parole violation. So ultimately, from the beginning, the reason why women in that are in our facilities was that we were putting them away faster than any other state, which meant we had quite a few of them there. And the director had the foresight of saying, we've got to do something about this and we have to help them because we don't need them back. This is a generational cycle. 
and it doesn't just affect them. It affects their children. It affects their mothers, their fathers, their brothers, their sisters. Children who have parents that are incarcerated are five to eight times as likely to be incarcerated themselves. So it wasn't just the women, although that's our angle. We really are looking at a holistic approach. So out of that work, the work that's continuing with incarcerated females, any success stories you can share there that is related uh, to the work that was going on? Absolutely. So it's, it's very timely that we're doing this podcast now um, at the beginning of February, but we just actually had a Missouri Women's Council gathering meeting, if you will, Aspire Mo alumni gathering in St. Louis. So we had 10 of our graduates. So our graduates live all across the state, but we were able to get 10 of them together at Emo's Pizza on Forest Park Avenue on a Sunday at lunch and have a meeting, if you will, of sorts. And we went around the room and everyone gave an update about how they were, what they were doing, what their challenges have been, what their struggles have been. We, you know, ultimately this was an entrepreneurship training program. We've got five women that have their LLCs now. Wow. Yeah. Out of 19 that graduated from the program. And that's really pretty good. I mean, the idea of this was not that they were going to start a business the minute they walked out of prison. Starting your own business is one of the hardest things you can ever do. Being a business owner is one of the hardest things you can ever do. And we knew that we wanted to give them some extra tools in their toolbox to be successful at their reentry, to be able to get a job, to have mock interviews, to have a resume ready, to have a support system that was really going to help them get off on the right foot and hopefully not come back. So many of these women have their LLCs. We've got one in particular, Jean. Jean was actually a graduate and a peer support specialist. So she was kind of, she was a graduate, but then she was on our team once she got out supporting all of the other women, which was great because she knew them. She was a certified fitness instructor in the prison. So she had taught many of their fitness classes. She was a constant positive influence inside and outside the walls. She still is today. She has her LLC. It's a cleaning and yard company. And she's got a contract with a Catholic church down at the lake of the Ozarks. She's engaged to be married. She just bought her first property I mean, it's an amazing success story and had been in multiple times. She was a multi-offender, multi-time offender. And do you think, I guess it's kind of hard to say, maybe case by case basis, but the work that's going in, the work that these uh, women are doing, the skills that they're learning is setting them up for success, whether or not they actually go out and get an LLC and start a business, but having that knowledge base that you can do it, do you think that's what's Uh, leading to the reduced recidivism rate with these women? I think anytime you can give someone hope, you're going to have positive outcomes because that's all they want. They just need to know that somebody cares about them and that they've got somebody that they can contact and call and just talk to, or if they need something, that we're going to do everything that we can to help get them what they need. But really the main takeaway and the feedback that we got, even when we were in the walls inside the prison doing the classes where we would bring business owners in, so every class we would bring a speaker in. Typically that would be a, a woman business owner and she would share her story and then answer questions. Uh, we also had First Lady Teresa Parson come in and teach a financial literacy class. I believe that's the first time a First Lady has ever been inside of a prison, much less taught a class and brought her own handouts. Kudos to Teresa Parson. She did a great job. But they were just shocked 
They were absolutely shocked that somebody cared about them. They're like, we can't believe somebody cares about us. We can't believe somebody wants to invest in us to start this program. We had to raise private money for it. We This was not budgeted. This was just some crazy idea I had. And then I had to pull people together and then we had to make it happen. But you've got to have money to, to make programming happen. And we were able to raise $10,000 pretty quickly. Obviously, as a professional fundraiser in my past, I had a few relationships and uh, we had some women business owners that stepped up to the plate and were some of our original investors. We had Susan Hart of Columbia, who owned her own construction company. We had Elizabeth Huber here in Jeff City with Huber and Associates invest in us, Veterans United Foundation, which most people know that organization. A friend of my personal friend of mine, Beverly Smith, wrote a check for us because she believed in what this program could do. And to think that all of these individuals and organizations, we hadn't started this. This was not a proven thing. This was just an idea and they believed in it. And then it grew. And so we're very excited that they were with us and supporting our ladies from the very beginning. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a proof of concept saying, hey, we can do this. We can make it work. And you were mentioning that through that work, you guys were able to take that model, retool it for the manufacturing sector, I'll say. And through the Missouri Women's Council, is that retooling focusing on women in, in that industry or is it holistic? Whoever's in that industry is benefiting from this retooling of the program. So that's a really great question. This is we're hoping to make this a model that they can replicate in the men's facilities as well. So we are focusing our pilot on women because that's what we have done in the past. And it has shown that it works very well. Women and men are very different individuals, as you know, and a woman's path to prison is not the same as a man's path to prison. So we are able to connect with the women very effectively. And we're going to continue that as we pilot this new manufacturing warehouse and supply chain training program. But we're also working with companies from across the state of Missouri. So within that application process, 26 companies signed letters of support that stated they would interview people who graduated from this program for jobs as they were available, but that they were from every corner of the state and the metros and, of course, mid-Missouri. They had letters of support from statewide office holders, from senators, from people that Missouri Chamber of Commerce, Missouri Association of Manufacturers, Missouri Association of Food Processors, they really pulled everyone together to get behind this. And that's going to be the next phase is creating this training program. They have a really great plan. Missouri Women's Council is a critical part of that execution and creation of that plan, as well as Missouri Department of Corrections. We're also partnering with social services to make sure that these women are getting all of the access to all the programs that they're entitled to, as well as the Office of Workforce Development within the Department of Higher Education and Workforce Development to make sure that they know about MoJobs, to make sure that they're in their system, to take advantage of all that our job centers across the state have to offer to help them to get on the right path. I mean, you mentioning that uh, women and, and men are different in, in certain paths and all that, but I would imagine the support structure, you support somebody, you're going to set them up for success. And so I think it's just finding the way you do that, I suppose. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So you had mentioned that you guys are piloting the program. Has that pilot launched yet? Still working on it? Where are you guys at there? So they just awarded or announced, I should say, the workforce grant 
And that was, I think, last week. And this is tied to that? Yes. Okay. So this is how they are going to do the program is through the ARPA workforce grant. And so planning has already begun. The application process was was very intensive, I believe. And they had a really solid plan to begin with from there. So now it's just building off of that plan. Like you said, doing the tasks, doing the to-do lists, the checkoffs, the getting everything in order, working with the Department of Corrections to get the space ready. It will be in Chillicothe. That's, we have two women's prisons here in the state of Missouri. One is in Vandalia and one is in Chillicothe. This programming will be happening in Chillicothe. So I know work is continuing. You guys are dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's. How do you think it's, it's going so far? I think, you know, again, there was a tremendous, we had a great plan from the beginning. And I, I think that's the key, right, to any successful program or product or whatever it is that project, whatever it is that you're working on, the tremendous amount of support when people were invited to come in and support this project was unbelievable. And it really shows that the need is there and that the employers are ready to look at this population as a different demographic for workforce solutions. And that's really what we're providing here is we're providing a workforce solution. And it's people that are sitting in a prison and and they're doing some great programming and that's wonderful, but this is going to give them a specific skill set that can span multiple industries. So not just manufacturing, but any kind of supply chain. So we're talking distribution centers, warehouses, we've got Amazon, we've got Chewy, we've got Dollar General in Fulton. We've got all of these different distribution centers and then manufacturers all across the state that any of these ladies could step into a role there. So outside of the work that's happening right now with the grant, Aspire Mo and all that, um, anything else going on uh, within the council that you want to talk about? We actually are helping to support the second annual, actually you can't call it second annual. Did you know that? You can't call it a first annual. You can't call it a second annual. You can call it a third annual. So when you have an event, For the third year, you can call it third annual, but this will just be um, the second year that uh, Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe and his office have hosted their Women of Achievement Awards for women across the state of Missouri. So the Missouri Women's Council is in on that planning committee, and we are looking forward to that unveiling, if you will, on March 23rd in the Capitol Rotunda at 9 a.m., Okay, so beyond the work that's happening right now, what's the future look like for you guys? I know you guys are kind of, you know, uh, focused on the grant and the work that's happening there. uh, But from your perspective as the executive director for the council, where do you see the future of the council going, uh, the work that you're going to do and all that? So as our former director, Rob Dixon, used to say, we're laser focused. <laughs> I think we can play bingo how, right, on, yeah. on a few different phrases that yeah. he had. We love you, Rob. But um, we we are very, we're laser focused on this, Eric, honestly. And it, that's what it's going to take to get this done and to get this to be successful. It's a three-year period of grant. So that's really going to be our focus. It's day-to-day. It's managing all that entails this program. We have meetings throughout the year. We help support the Governor's Conference on Economic Development, obviously are involved with the Lieutenant Governor's Women of Achievement Awards, which is a really great program that they do to recognize women from all across the state. But our focus is helping these women to have the best opportunities that they can 
so that they don't come back. This is a demographic that is often overlooked and forgotten about. And that's why they end up back in prison. We are taking the moment in time. And I firmly believe that we are here for a reason, that these doors have been opened for a reason, that this is part of a larger plan than I had ever thought I would be a part of, because this is not something I ever thought I would be doing. But the yeses are there, the doors are there, the people are there, and we have to seize this opportunity. So that's really going to be our focus, as Rob would say. Yeah. Our laser focus. <laughs> Any indication on about how many people you plan to help or foresee helping through this? I, you know, um, given the restraints of the space, right, and classroom space, and, and then the equipment that you have to purchase to train on these certifications, we're looking at around 75, 76 within this period. Now, there's obviously ramp up time and you have to order equipment and Equipment has supply chain issues. Imagine that, oh, uh, wow, like yeah. six months back order. So yeah, so we, <laughs> we are dealing thought? with all of that too. But, you know, ideally we would love to serve more, but if we're going to do this the right way and to to really prove, and like you said, a proof of concept, we've got to do it in a manageable way. And they're also going to get peer support training after they get out for a year. So you got to think about all of those women being supported for a year after they get out. So we need it to be manageable. Yeah, for sure. And I would be very interested in having you back on at some point once it's all said and done to, to kind of recap and, and, and talk about that. Uh, before we kind of close it out here, uh, is there anything else with the Missouri Women's Council that we didn't talk about that you think people should know or want them to know? It seems like we talked about a lot, but I want to open the floor to you. We did. We did. You know, I just I just want to thank all of our members of the Missouri Women's Council. They without their support, I couldn't do what I do. They are so tremendous and so incredible at being flexible and being open-minded and supporting our vision and our efforts and our ladies. One of our members in St. Louis, she's, um, she is a tremendous volunteer and has been on the council for many years. Her name is Norma. She is very connected in the St. Louis area. She's part of other women's groups there. And she was able to gather her troops and help one of our graduates who was really struggling in the beginning after she was released and they were able to donate items for her new apartment and they did this all during the pandemic and she actually came to the luncheon and the meeting and got to reconnect with our graduate and exchange numbers and our graduate is doing great she is a mechanic in for international paper in Belleville Illinois so she is just doing so well and and finally being compensated for for her skills yeah so you know really just the support of all the women's council members is the only way I could do this along with the support of our administration our governor our lieutenant governor our first lady our department directors I mean it's just amazing how they've all come together to support the efforts of what the women's council is doing and I couldn't be more grateful yeah, what's that old saying? It takes a village to to raise a child, or or, or something yes, like that. Absolutely, yeah. it t- definitely takes a village to do something <laughs> with 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 this group. So um, we couldn't do it without them. It takes everybody. You're exactly right. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so to close us out here, as you know, the department's motto is helping Missourians prosper. So yes. with the work that you do and the work that Missouri Women's Council does, how does that push that motto forward? Well, I mean, I think we've just talked about it, right? right I mean, it's yeah. self-explanatory pretty much. I mean, we are giving people the tools to be able to get good quality jobs that pay well, not just 
fast food restaurant, which is where many of them end up, but an actual job with a career path and a way forward. And that is helping Missourians prosper. Perfect. Kellyanne, I know we're a little bit on a time crunch, <laughs> and I appreciate you uh, sitting down and, and going through. It's a lot of great stuff, a lot of stuff I didn't know about. Hopefully, the listeners took a lot of information out of it. It sounds like you guys are doing some really good work, and I hope you all the best success. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, happy to come back and give you a little update once we get started. Perfect. Maybe you can come to our class in the prison. Yeah. We do a prison podcast. We could, you know, something that we talk about on here is getting that kind of, you know, out the work that we do here in the department has an impact on citizens and their prosperity. And to get that kind of perspective to talk, sit down and talk with somebody, I think would be fantastic. And hopefully the listeners would like it too. Oh, I think they would. So, okay. We'll work on it. Thank you, Kellyanne. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Eco Devo. We have great episodes coming your way every two weeks, so be sure to subscribe. Also, we want to hear from you, our listeners. Tell us what economic development topics you want to hear more about. This helps us fulfill our motto of helping Missourians prosper by bringing content to our listeners that they want to hear. Leave a comment on an episode or send an email to ded.communications at ded.mo.gov and stay tuned for more Inside Eco Devo.